So, Ben, we were meant to start recording this podcast 41 minutes ago, but for the last 41 minutes, we've been talking about X Factor, Britain's Got Talent, the ultimate uh, judging panels. And then we spent uh, the last 15 minutes or so talking about James Corden leaving the US and what he's going to do when he comes back. Good job we didn't do that on the podcast because that would have gone on for far too long. And we're also going to try avoid dancing on ice this week as well. Yeah, well, you know, it's dancing on ice. There's it's pretty much the same every week, and they get mildly better. And I right, hang on. straight up, who do you think is going to win Dancing on Ice? Um, well, I think the young guy will. Sonny J. No, the young guy last week. Uh, the the yes, guy who's our age. Um, I don't know his name. The guy who's our age. I think either him, Sonny J, who. It's like my draw North I'm celeb situation. I just want him to win because I know him. Or Denise Van Alton. They are my predictions. Yeah. But or, without further ado... Oh, God, Ben. Ben's or Jason Donovan. Oh, don't like him. I'm not a fan. But middle-aged women will vote for him. That's true. My mum loves him. Let's begin the Articulate Film Podcast with Ben and Jacob. Absolute pleasure to have you listening. Uh, coming up on today's show, we are going to be reviewing Outside the Wire, It's a Sin and Losing Alice. Plus, we have got the news lined up for you as well and probably some unrelated chat. Oh, we've also got more One Division stuff as well. Yeah, because episode three, which came out a couple of days ago, was completely different to episode one and two. Ooh, in a good way or a bad way? In a way that resembles much more Marvel stuff. Oh, which... and I think that's what you liked about it before, that it was kind of different. Yeah, and to be fair, I liked episode three and I like where it's going. But the more fact is more... In... more... Ben, Ben, we're not on WandaVision yet. You're telling me off for going off track, off track and it will somehow be my fault. <laughs> we're going to get on WandaVision in just a second. I now know how to say it as well, WandaVision. Uh, we're going to get on to talking about episode three after we start with reviewing the Netflix film Outside the Wire. Yes, so the current number one film on Netflix, Outside the Wire, it follows a disgraced drone pilot, Lieutenant Hart, played by Breakthrough, Damson Idris, who's sent to a deadly militarised area in Ukraine after he disobeys orders, because it's a film, and he meets Captain Leo, who's an android, played by brilliant, the amazing Anthony Mackie, and they have to stop the end of the world. Now, this film isn't awful. Um, the problem is, it contains all your usual war film malarkey. Um, they try, genuinely try, to say stuff about war and do the whole war is bad and military interventions ruin people's lives and the whole thing's really a bit talking about how awful the Iran and Iraq and Afghanistan war was. But it never hits those marks, which is a shame because the director, who I haven't wrote his name down and I'm blanking on it, has done some amazing Danish films in the past. Two of my favourite, A Separation and A Hijacking, and those did have political stuff to say. But this is just a watchable film with good action that will fill your day for two hours, but it could have been great. What are you giving this, Ben? Is it a must-watch? Is it something that you need to watch? Or is it just a good film to, to pass while in lockdown? It's a watch if you can. We all have it's two hours. Mm. 
And there's only one must-watch this week. Oh, little tease. I like that. I like that. Okay, Ben, you can talk about it now. Let's uh, talk about One Division episode three. And like you said, it's changed. It's a different tone from the other two episodes. Yeah. Now, firstly, One Division. I always want to say it like Shackle Vision. Like, I want to go, One Division, Wonder, One Division. Like, yeah, anyway. Just I, I can't relate. You Ben just looked at me then like, I can't believe I just did that on the podcast. And you also kind of gave me a look like, are you going to join in? Yeah, no. I was kind of <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I have I, seen the Shuckle Brothers before, though. They were quite funny. Yeah. Uh, you just, I felt stranded on that one, on that reference. Um, I don't know why you expected me to want to join in on that. You know what I'm like. You know there is no way that I would do that. I thought the reference could have happened anyway. After the second episode revealed Wanda got pregnant, she goes through the whole Ooh. she goes through the whole nine months in three days. And well, if you've seen any Marvel films, you know how ridiculous her powers are. When she gives birth, it is genuinely something, particularly as her neighbour Geraldine comes and does an unexpected trip round. And it's quite clear by the end of this episode, spoilers. Geraldine will be the big bag of the whole series. Um, Do you think that's a strong statement? Because I know that from watching like Arrowverse shows, sometimes the big bad doesn't come in until halfway through the season. Maybe this could be the big bad for midway through the season, but then linked to the bigger bad. I think that is a big statement to make. I mean, with three out of nine half-hour episodes, it's not like the full Arrowverse, how much time they have to kill, kind of. Because... Yeah. There's a lot of padding in those shows, which there just isn't in one division, and it's telling its story much more like a film, just split into half-hour instalments. Um, you know, it's becoming more like a Marvel film, which I personally am not a fan. But the thing is, the majority of the audience, the DC, not DC, the Marvel fandom, will love that. Yes, and to be fair. If it's good, I don't mind. Because this episode was funny, it was tense, it is was creepy. Is the budget creepy. high for this show? Is it as high as, like, Mandalorian? Yes. The budget is probably, like, nothing that's ever been seen on TV before. Wow. Well, but, this is what I love about Disney+. Plus. They really are... While they're not releasing loads of content, what they do make, they, they go for it. Yeah... Yes and no, because they've released two shows on this Belimoth, and my thing with Disney Plus, and this is as someone who's wrote an Your thing with Disney Plus is that you only subscribe on the something you want to watch and then you cancel. No, that's my personal. That's your thing with Disney Plus, mate. Yeah, no, but I have wrote academic stuff about Netflix and Disney Plus and the streaming. You have, but you did an EPQ on it, didn't you? Yeah, I did two years ago, and I will probably keep studying it and writing about it for serious people over the next few years. Over on the Articu Film website, go check it out. Yeah, on the website. You're welcome. Also, when I do freelance stuff for other people under my pseudonym, um, I do talk about it. Disney Plus's problem, and Netflix made quite a snide comment, they can't make a show like Bridgerton, which has completely captured... This goes back to what we were saying on the, on the show last week. Netflix have the power to create a franchise, create a yes. brand. 
Disney Plus don't do that and they don't have the power because people go there for your ABCs, they're big blockbusters. Yeah, but it's it's what I was saying. This is when you guys should have all heard mine and Jacob's chat earlier because this is it's kind it of like it would have been ITV. a good chat because it wasn't dead. It, it was literally of... like this conversation, just very, very much UK ITV based. Yeah, it's kind of like ITV. You have your big franchises and your big shows, but once people go off them, what do you have? And like the thing is, there's ITV shows we we were talking about, you know. X Factor, that's not around anymore. We also refer to Big Brother on Channel 4 and Channel 5. Also, Love Island, even that, the, the, the viewing figures are going down. So once you don't have that anymore, it's like, what is there left? Also, WandaVision, I right. think it's kind of... Disney won't release their numbers, but anecdotally... Right. How come? Is it because they are not as high as people think? Because streaming services on the whole don't tend to release their numbers. But anecdotally, I would say it's not done as well as it should have, considering it's high-profile Marvel characters people know and love, all the budget, and it's third episode, and only the second time it's been released, and it was a big episode full of lots of twists. That was not the most talked-about TV show on Friday. Because it what was, was what it's what we're going to talk about next. It's a sin. Oh, it's a sin. Very nice. So this is a new Channel Four TV show from Russell T Davis. Now I haven't actually heard about this. Well, normally on a Friday I just watch Goggle Yeah. If you did, you go on Twitter on Friday. I did. Were you on it at like nine o'clock at night? Mm, probably, but I don't think I saw this. I think no, I was because at, Neil Patrick. I think I was looking at. Uh, Boris Johnson, Matt Hancock memes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I spend a lot. Do you do that when you know how on trending you can just... Do you just go straight yeah. to the politics one to see how yeah. people... Yeah, but at the minute, yeah, I never did that pre-Rona. <laughs> I just called it Rona, I can't believe I did yeah, that. Um, no, I'm turning into one of them TikTok people. Pre-Corona, I wasn't really interested, but I think now I'm 18, I can vote, which kind of is interesting me more, and obviously we're in the middle of this global mm. pandemic. Anyway. I, just, I want to see what's going on. Anyway, back so to So if you were watching It's a Sin Like I Was, which is created by Russell T. Davis, who in my opinion is the greatest TV writer of all time, um... Neil Patrick Harris was number one on Twitter. Now, if you watch the first episode, he was a big part of that. Also, stuff like Queer as Folk was trending in the top ten. And It's a Sin is kind of the honorary sequel to Queer as Folk 21 years afterwards. Quickly, yeah. So, it was really talked about. And every time, this might be because of the people I follow on Twitter being journalists and film and TV people. Oh, I'm politicians. <laughs> oh, no, I mainly follow journalists. Uh, oh, do you? Yeah. It's, I, I use Twitter as my news source because I follow people like Owen Jones, who's The Guardian's political editor. I follow all the BBC News team. I Because that's... It, it's manageable. It's instant as well. Even Nigella. I mean, even Nigella was tweeting about, tweeting about it's a sin. I do follow wow. So that, you should have opened with that. This show is yeah. so big that even Nigella watches yeah, it. Yeah, um, and it's genuinely... I'm going to put this out there right now before I talk about the show. I am so pissed off this was released in January, not December, because this would have been the best show of last year by a country mile, 
And I can't... Will this be on, do you think this will be on our list for 2021? Yes. Yes. If January's a long way away. No, next December's like 11 months away. So I might... I might... It, I probably won't even remember it as 2021, being brutally honest. But I think it is arguably... And I'm not the only one who said this. Den of Geek has said this. Lots of reviews have said this and have called it the best LGBT TV series of all time. Um, probably beating T. Davies' other great show, Queerest Folk, 18, however many years. Um, but it follows four friends during the 1980s, the decade which changed everything because it had the last pandemic in living memory of AIDS. Um, wow. Now, I have not stopped thinking about It's a Sin from Friday night. Um, it's Sunday when we're recording this. I'm watching one episode a night and go watch the next one after this. Um, Channel 4 and Russell T Davies have delivered here something that's wonderful. It's five episodes. It's sexy. It's funny. It's moving. It's sad. Like... I kind of... Russell T Davies does I kind this of thing. can't believe you've called something sexy. Yeah, well, it is. It's, it's, it's so good. And I just live for Neil Patrick Harris's posh English accent. And obviously, it's about age. And it is really bleak. But it's also really fun. And it's a, such an astonishing mix. Because it talks about something that literally wiped out a community. And... Death is never far from the picture. I mean, just anecdotally, how many gay men do you know in their 50s? There aren't a huge amount left. Um, but, yeah, but he didn't... Or he's 40s. He's probably just younger. Than, is he 40s? I bet he's 50s. He's probably... He looks older than my dad, and my dad's in his 50s. John Farrow, man, age. Okay, but... He's 53. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really take away from the point. Anyway, it doesn't take away from the point. The point is, I should be thinking of more. Yeah, we we should all know and think of more when Philip Schofield's the first one who comes to mind and he literally came out oh, yes. eight months ago type of thing. But um, And the show does this thing where characters are introduced and they're fully fleshed out. And then, obviously... They die, and it's heartbreaking. And this show is like an emotional, being hit by an emotional battering ram. Um, they, yeah, I... Um, show being described as sexy and a battering ram, you wouldn't normally put them together. It's just great characters, it's great stories, it brings you back to the 80s. It is truly... I love how you're, like, acting as if you were alive in the 80s. Yeah, back in the 80s, back in the No, no, yeah, okay. I, I obviously wasn't around in the 80s. I obviously... This show is depicting a time that was made 20 years before I was born type of thing. But um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's still something that's shocking. And Russell T. Davis is a masterful writer. He wrote my favourite show of 2018 in A Very English Scandal. He wrote my favourite show of 2019 in Years and Years. He will have almost certainly wrote my favourite show of 2021 because I cannot stop thinking about it. Amazing, and he, amazing. And he does that thing where you'll be laughing and laughing and then you'll be crying within a beat. 
and there are genuine deaths that are jaw-dropping. It's like Russell Tovey's death in years and years, if you've seen that show, just how jaw-dropping. And actually, years and years was probably the last TV show that made me cry until I saw It's a Sin. So You clearly haven't watched Mandalorian then, mate. Oh, that, that show got me. No, that was not really an appropriate thing to say. I have mate, watched this... The Mandalorian. No, I... no, no, no. I didn't mean it wasn't an appreciate thing to say. You haven't watched the Man- Mandalorian. Me saying that these are kind of on the same level of sadness. Mandalorian and it's a sin. I no, mean, Baby Yoda being given to Luke Skywalker is not the same as, like... AIDS killing people. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> But no, it's not. It's absolutely not. Mate, that sounds like such a powerful watch, genuinely. It's genuine. Kind of, is it a, um educational film? Do you think schools would benefit from that? Or is it too dark? Or not dark, but too, like... I think... Um, too right. heavy, maybe? It's a, I don't think it's too bleak. I would say don't watch it with your parents if you're our age, um, because there is lots... Of sex in it and um, that's probably more the barrier of showing it in schools the pure amount of gay sex on the screen but um right. but i do think it hits upon a thing in our society that when covid happened people were so quick to compare it back to the spanish flu of 1990 and not the pandemic that most plenty of people in society have lived through, which was AIDS. And we don't talk about it in schools. We don't really talk about gay people in schools. There's still, and in that kind of way, there's still an awful lot of homophobia in schools. So I think it hits upon an area of the curriculum that needs to be solved and needs to be improved. But I would not show it's a sin just because there's a lot of sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just it sounds like such an inspirational, such an eye-opening watch. And uh, it's got, it's let got, me have a guess, mate. Mate, let me have a guess. That is this week's must-watch. It is. And it's also got a brilliant what like a star is born in it's got well, it's got five breakthrough performances, but one of them is Ollie Alexander from Years and Years. Oh wow. He's wow. Great. I can is he good at acting? Yeah, he is unbelievable in this. And, sorry. Plus, he's a, a really active um, he, member of the LGBTQ plus community. Well, he's a all, really, yeah, uh, and all the actors who are playing gay characters in this are LGBT in real life. And I genuinely do, I'm quite open. I think it makes for better performances. And I think this is a case where the performances are so real and authentic. And that's what steps it up from Queer as Folk 20 years ago, which is a great show. And the three actors who did that, Adrian Gillen and Charlie Hunnam, are so were so brave for taking on those roles, but they never hit the authenticity that Alexander or Neil Patrick Harris or any of the cast hit with this film. So yeah, it's brilliant. That, that does that genuinely sounds like such a good watch and ben you know what you're saying now you might forget that it comes out i guarantee you won't because i loved how passionate you were are you that. gonna it's, watch it's great. it i might you know what i might i might i think right now i am as i'll talk about my binge of the week and i briefly briefly spoke about it on the podcast last week i'm really glued on that we'll get to that later 
Um, but you know what? I will put it on my watch list on Netflix. Uh, right, still to come, obviously, my binge of the week. We're also reviewing Muscle, which is a new film on VOD. Uh, also going to be reviewing Losing Alice. Uh, that is available on Apple TV+. Plus. But right now, let's do the news. And it is a very exciting news story that I've just seen at the start of the news. Uh, a Willy Wonka prequel from Paddington director Paul King is coming in 2023. Wow, mate, that's like my childhood dream, mate. Oh, wow. Uh, let me have a guess. It's not going to have Johnny Depp in it. No. Mate, his career's over straight up. Yeah, his straight up, his career's over and straight up, I think even if he was having a successful career, it wouldn't have Johnny Depp in anyway. Um, he's right, bit... he, did, um, he did Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Yeah, but he's too old now. That was like 15 years ago, the Tim Burton film. And that wasn't as good as the original, Charlie. No, the original's so much better. Yeah. That's what, like, with this, yeah, my head is going, you're going to ruin it. Willy Wonka is great because he's mysterious. But my heart is going, but Paddington 2 was pretty fucking great. I thought Paddington 1 was pretty fucking great. They're both great. Like, Paddington 2 is, according to Rotten Tomatoes, the greatest film of all time. It has the most... Paddington's com- an amazing franchise. <laughs> we need Paddington... Because it was well, on... Well, sorry, will this Willy Wonka prequel be about him finding the Oompa Loompas? I bet it will be. Oh, there will be that really clunky scene where he finds an Oompa Loompa. Um, also... It, it'll be like the Star Wars Ewok scene in Return of the Jedi, yeah. I'm calling it. Who, out of interest, who do you want? This is a tangent. Now we're on Paddington's. Okay, who do you want to play Willy Wonka? I'm not responsible for the tangent this time. You're not. Who do you want to play Willy Wonka in the prequel? And who do you want to play the new villain in Paddington 3 after Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant? They've done it before, right? Nicole Kidman. Yeah, they were the last two. Yeah. uh, Willy Wonka, I want Jack Whitehall. Ooh. The... Sony want either Timothy Chalamet and Tom Holland, who are both so wrong for the role. Um, Can you see Jack Whitehall being good? I could see him being great. Um, Paddington, who's your villain? Um, um, bum, 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 bum. Who's the guy that plays Kylo Ren? Uh, Adam Driver. Adam Driver, he could do it. Or... The guy who plays Lucius Malfoy, he he he'd be good. Oh, just go go there, yeah, that would be cool. Or or he, Jason what's his Isaac. Who plays Lucius? Jason Isaacs, yeah, go Isaacs. Yeah. I, I I I I was gonna say Daniel Craig. I would love to see do that. But... I love a villain with long hair. <laughs> I, 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 I'm that. jumping shit to Jason Isaacs here. Um, Willy Wonka, yeah. I had someone on my head, and then I said Tom Holland out loud, and I forgot who I was gonna say. But I would love. Personally, Janelle Moulet. Okay. Just, I know that that's kind of the complete colorblind, genderblind casting, but would yeah, that's she? That's why I was like, okay. Would she not be amazing in that role? As Willy Wonka. Yeah. Well, just look it's at her performing. Happen. Look at. It's not going to happen. You know what? I can see her potentially being Willy Wonka's wife. Um, that's going to die and he's going to be heartbroken. He's going to go and travel. He's going to find the Umpalumpas, but she's going to die but, or something and she could be his wife. But did you see her like... at the Oscars and just how she performs is so Willy Wonka. It would be amazing. She is so... Do you with... think... 
would she be good as Willy Wonka's wife? No, would she, would, she would be, work together on screen? I'm not sure. She would be terrible as Willy Wonka's wife, but great as Willy Wonka. Like, well, Willy Wonka, to our knowledge, doesn't have a wife, so she could be amazing as his wife. Put Keira Knightley in that role, because Keira Knightley doesn't get enough roles. Or they'll do the really annoying thing where they'll get that kid from Stranger Things and It, and they'll put him alongside Millie Bobby Brown, and it will be tragic for everyone. I can, the thing is, I can see that happening. Same. Considering this is a studio who've said they want Timothy Chalamet and Tom Holland, I'm not putting anything. Uh, then I, I can't believe you just put that thought into my head. Let's carry on with the news. Another Game of Thrones spin-off has been confirmed, and this spin-off is going to be called Tales of Dunk and Egg, and it is in development at the minute at HBO. HBO want to make Game of Thrones, Marvel, and Star Wars big. Will it happen? Probably not. Also, Why? well, is there any... Do people want any more Game of Thrones after season eight? Pretty much shat the bed. Was it all good? Um, well, I liked season eight, but that was because the only two seasons of Game of Thrones I've watched are the first and the last season, and I cut out the middle. Everyone who seemingly watched the middle of it... I remember Ed Sheeran's cameo got a lot of hype. Yeah, and then a lot of hate. Um, really? Yeah. I just wonder, is there the positive I want Game of Thrones back fight? And is there... Because they've already announced other spin-offs as well. So I feel like they need to be careful of how much they do. Mm. Could there be too much Game of Thrones? And these shows are going to be expensive. And yeah, Tales of Dunk and Egg is not a good title. That is not at all. Uh, in any world, not for children, not for adults, that title. Oh, I'd give that a rethink. Yeah, and the final bit of news, and this is yes. great news. Matt Damon is returning yes. to the Thor franchise in Four, after his brilliant cameo in Thor Ragnarok, where he played Loki, being watched by Tom Hiddleston's actual Loki in the most meta thing ever. Is he now going to have an actual role? Or is he going to be playing a joke version of Loki again? Either way, I'm down. Matt Damon's great. Um, Matt Damon's not in enough. Do you not think? And he doesn't get enough praise anymore. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of actors and actresses deserve to get more praise. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah. But what We were just talking about Ellen earlier. About her acting career. I've never actually seen her act uh, outside her show. Was she a good actress? Um, I think she was a good sitcom star from what I have heard. I think she was like... Uh, and this is in no means saying anything dodgy about the Friends cast. But I think she was kind of that level, which is good in the kind of sitcom bracket, but doesn't move higher. I think Jennifer Aniston's a good actress. Yes, Jennifer Aniston in The Morning Show is brilliant. And also, who's the guy who plays Ross? David, David Schwimmer. Who's now doing he... those awful NatWest adverts. Yes. And he looks like he's... But I think as an actor, he's the strongest in Friends. Mm, I think Ross is just weird. Um, he's put on <laughs> so much weight. Hey, they all have. No, Lisa Kirtrew... 
I am Jennifer Aniston. No, I meant, the, I meant the three boys. I meant the three boys. Yeah, the three boys, obviously. The three girls, I would still go there. Uh, I think <laughs> I think Lisa Kirju was the best in Friends. Um, or the person that played Janice. Yeah, I don't... Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, Matt LeBlanc... You don't know who I mean, do you? No. <laughs> ben hates Friends, newsflash. If you but, are a new listener... I, I've watched, like, ten episodes. It. I got through half of the first season. Oh, the first season isn't as good as the rest of it, though. But people say that it starts off funny, but then turns into a love story, which I kind of agree with. As Joey I, and Rachel should never have had a thing. As I say, out. I've watched roughly four hours of the show and decided it's not for me. It's not for you. Okay, Ben, let's get back to the reviews. Apple TV Plus's latest TV show, and Ben, you are a huge Apple TV Plus fan. Does this show, Losing Alice, is it as it did it meet your expectations? Because normally your expectations are pretty high with Apple TV. Plus. Well, Apple TV Plus can do no wrong. Losing Alice is solidly good. Um, I'm only not giving you a must watch because everyone's homework for the week is it's a sin. Um, this should not be confused with ITV's show Finding Alice, which I have not watched. Um, it's a completely different show on a completely different network, and it's an Israeli erotic psychological neo noir. Why is thriller. Alice such a name used in t- in programs like this? Isn't it such a thing? Like Alice is mysterious. Well, I think it's all. Stems- it's just such a name for it. I think it all stems back to Alice in Wonderland. Ultimately, yeah. um, that's why it. we always use her. Um, to quickly go through the review it follows a 47 year old film director who becomes obsessed with sophie her 24 year old screenwriter and the femme fatale of the show um it explores guilt jealousy the fear of aging rage the complexity of women's relationships there's a murder involved but the murder's in the film but through flashbacks it somehow interacts with their real lives and it's a really complex narrative that so far, four episodes in is paying off. It's highly ambitious. And it's sometimes these foreign gems which you just find and are amazing. Um, and it shows that Apple TV are really looking for those gems. Um, I think... I was talking there, but somehow my mic was off. But Ben, you just love Apple TV, don't you? You're a big Apple TV fan. Yeah, because they've made nothing bad, and they've made solidly. Like, they take risks. Of, they do. Yeah, they take risks, and more often than not, they pay off. And what Apple TV Plus do is they pay a bunch of talented people to make great shows. Um, the comparison I I read somewhere that a lot of producers and directors love working for Apple TV Plus because they get a lot of freedom, and it's very organic the creative process and things. Yeah, well, I think the thing is, Apple is coming to play in the streaming service market, and they're... Wait, they've already come to play and done bits in the music streaming market. Yeah, they have, and to be fair, I, Apple Music is solidly second to Spotify in the music mate, streaming. Mate, mate, um, I just want Beats 1. Uh, it's not Beats 1 anymore, it's Apple Music 1. Or, or something like that, which is their radio station on Apple Music. They've signed so many big names from the BBC, uh, radio-wise. Dottie from One Extra, Charlie Sloth from Radio 1, One Extra, Zane Lowe, who now does all the big Hollywood A-list music, 
interviews. He came from Radio One. And they've also got some producers from behind the scene. So Apple TV, oh, Apple TV, Apple as a whole is a very appetizing brand. Yeah, and it's just the thing. Apple, they have you watching on your phone. So they why not that they it's the logical step that they move into what you're watching and they pay a bunch of seriously talented people to make seriously great things and make the things they've wanted. And they give them so much freedom. I believe that. Yeah, and if you're giving people the chance to make what they've always wanted to make, it's so good. And also, often, lots of their gems, they just go in and buy stuff, like Boys State was one of my favourite films of last year. Ted Lasso is brilliant. The Morning Show is brilliant. There's enough on there for me to go at five ninety nine a month. I'm gonna keep subscribing. Yeah, it's a good price as well. Yeah, and it's I genuinely think there's more. I watch more on there than I do on Disney Plus, and I probably yeah. watch the same amount on there that I do on my Netflix. That's saying something because Netflix is huge. Every single person I in the country has Netflix. I swear, more people do than don't. Netflix has an 89% worldwide penetration rate, which is the terms <laughs> for... Um, Mate, that is strong. Yeah, penetration rate for people who aren't epically interested in the streaming wars like I am is the rate for how many people have access to the TV service. So as you can imagine, even my nan now has Netflix. So, same, mate, same. And my grandma is obsessed with Prison Break. Oh, Mine's obsessed with The Crown because, you know... Oh, mine's already watched The Crown. <laughs> yeah, mine only, mine's re-watching it. I jokingly suggested Bridgerton and I'm terrified for that phone call because of all the gay sex. No, not gay sex because of just all the general sex in it. Um, anyway... Uh, should we get on to my binge, ben? Yeah, the last still, element of the week. Reviewing, are you still reviewing Losing Alice? Uh, we've reviewed Losing Alice. You happy? Yeah, I'm happy. What are you giving it? Must watch, watch if you can. Watch if you can. And last but not least, Jacob, what's your binge? My binge of the week this week is Inside World's Toughest Prisons, which is a series on Netflix. Ben, have you watched it, mate? I can't say I have because I've been watching 60 Days In instead. Right. Mate, it's, um, it's doing really well. My friend told me to watch this. Her words were, if you don't watch it, I won't message you until you've watched it, basically. That's <laughs> what she said. So I thought, you know what, I'll watch it. Um, and I started watching it last week. Brief mentioned that I was watching it on the podcast last week, and I've not been able to stop watching it this week. Long story short, a guy that falsely got accused of murder um, was in prison for 15 years or so. Uh, he then got proved to be innocent and has now come out and is travelling the world, going into the toughest prisons on the planet he goes to prisons in south africa where there's gangs and if you're not in a gang you're not going to survive he goes to panama prisons he goes to a prison in the middle of a war zone in iraq it's just great and it's really well put together it's just a it's just a great watch really interesting i mean does it scare the living daylights out of you to go to prison because yeah. i'm already terrified it also, it also scares me that in some of the prisons the guards have literally little to no control it's like one guard to every 200 prisoners and they will stab the guards, no problem. Yeah, no, um, I've been watching 60 Days In, which has been terrifying me, so. So go watch World's Toughest Prisons. Make sure you go check that out. I would really recommend it. Ben, good pod this week. I've liked it. Good pod, yeah. 
Make sure you uh, check out the Arctic Youth Film website and check out all of Ben's reviews. Make sure you get following us on Twitter at Arctic Youth Film. And uh, thank you very, very much for listening. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.